This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. I also would like to thank Southeast Lyman Training Center. It is a premier school for line worker training. SLTC produces an elite group of highly trained and certified graduates equipped with the knowledge, discipline, and ability to have successful careers in the electrical utility and communications industries. Learn more at lineworker.com. What up, guys? This is David from The Show Up Dad, bringing you another episode to help us understand that we are more than just a paycheck for our families. At The Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when we as men truly understand our unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, we can transform and impact future generations. Today's guest is Lamar Hill. He is a clinical social worker, owner of Four Elements Therapy, author of Are You My Daddy? children's book. Now, this book is aimed at lifting up all fathers through diversity and grace. It's not necessarily the big moments in our children's lives that define us as fathers and make the greatest impact. Rather, all the small, unnoticed moments in between that build the strongest foundations with our kids. Welcome to the show up, my man. Thank you. So, uh, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Lamar. Uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how it was like, if you don't mind, Lamar. Uh, my upbringing was, um, pretty typical of, of, of trauma. Um, my two parents, my, I, I never knew my birth dad growing up. I just, just know him from the name on my birth certificate. Um, he was an air force guy. Um, my mom was, is a, uh, Native American woman um, out of the Fort Berthold Reservation. And so um, my mom struggled with with mental health, substance use, um, this the co-occurring mental health stuff and chemical addictions. And um, at a young age, um, you know, took her life, uh, committed suicide, completed suicide. Um, And that left my older brother, my older sister and I um, in the, in the foster care system, um, which then pretty quickly we were, we were taken in by the Ness family out of Douglas, North Dakota. You're going to have to look that one up. Um, but Douglas, North Dakota, where we spent, um, basically, uh, the, up our lives up until now, they're still our parents and it's still our home, um, growing up with, and basically upper Midwest, you know, white, agricultural, very, very rural um, area of the, of the United States and the Dakotas. Um, and so um, 
just kind of growing up in that aspect of, of kind of being misplaced, being in a foster care uh, system, um, in an environment that there wasn't a lot of diversity in it. Um, the diversity that was there, uh, there's often just, you know, just jokes and just stereotypes that would go along with it. And so um, having to kind of grow up with that. And my parents were very supportive. Um, you know, my siblings were very supportive. Uh, both my my biological siblings, but also um, you know my parents as biological children too. Um, you know we were a big family. I think we had five, not at one time, but ultimately I have five brothers and five siblings, sisters. Um, and so you know just kind of growing up, um, you know we were a pretty big family, but that wasn't a big issue back then because big families and traditional families were kind of more of the norm. And so that looks a little bit different now, especially when I talk to people about my family, they're like, holy smokes, you guys had 10 people. Like, yeah, <clears throat> that was our family. And so, um, but just kind of growing up with, with, you know, a, a, a you know, a blended family. Um, I was the youngest out of, out of my biological siblings. So I often, you know, think about, and I often say that I think my, my older siblings, um, probably had a lot worse than me um, growing up because I think they were older than me and I think they, you know, they had to kind of set the tone um, uh, as, as they kind of were um, integrated into in the communities and into the school systems. And so I think by the time I got into school, um, I think the community had, you know, adjusted pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. And my parents have always done a phenomenal job of advocating for and being a voice for and being a presence for us. Um, and so, uh, and they still continue to do that. So I think my parents um, were just those folks that you just didn't really want to mess with. You know, mm -hmm. they, were, they, were, they weren't people to get pushed around with and they were going to stick up for and advocate for. And so I think by the time I got to that age uh, where I was kind of more aware of these things, you know, I would, I would, you know, I feel comfortable saying that I think, you know, we were just a part of the community, part of the fabric. Um, mm -hmm. And then that changed a little bit, I think, as I got, uh, as I became a little bit older and I graduated and I you know, moved on and out of the home and out of the community. Um, I think it changed a little bit, but I think I was coming into my own identity, um, kind of crisis, so to speak, where I, all of a sudden I didn't, you know, um, you know, in some circles, I'm, I'm, I'm not black enough. Um, in some circles, I'm too black, you know, and, and, and in some circles, you know, holy smokes, and you're Native American, um, you know, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and you grew up in a white home, you know, and it's like, um, so I, I went through a period of time in my late, late teens, and, you know, probably through my, my 20s, I would probably say, where I was really struggling with that identity piece in terms of who am I, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then, um, then some of the trauma stuff happened, like the, the the trauma from you know my past, right, and my relationships and um, how I handle things and, and the struggles that I have, and, and to some degree some of the struggles I have today too. Um, and so that's kind of what it's been like um, growing mm -hmm. up. It's I've been able to get into um, the work that I do um, because of of my my past and my experiences and. It hasn't been the, the maybe the prettiest picture, so to speak, or some would say, wow, this is, you know, this is pretty horrific. Um, but, you know, I had to learn how to get through that, that judgment and that perceptions that others may have uh, mm -hmm. of me um, in order to, to be the best uh, version of myself, not to be too cliche, but it really took me a long time to, to really start to put to rest of, put to rest that 
you know, people are going to have judgments and perceptions about you no matter what. Um, and the more I was afraid of that, um, the more kind of secluded and isolated and kind of closed off I was mm-hmm. uh, with my life, uh, which, which only just kind of exasperated people's perceptions, right? Because the more you don't let them see, the more they're going to come up with, right? Yeah. Um, and it took me a long time to, to, to figure that out with, through, through frustrations and, and, and some of those things. But, um, it, you know, I, I started to look at my kids in terms of, you know, if, if I'm ashamed, if, I, if I'm, you know, embarrassed of, of the things that, that I've done that in, in the grand scheme of things that produce wonderful children, well, then that means I'm kind of ashamed of them. And that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of my kids. I'm very honored to be a father. I'm, I'm honored that I get the chance to be a father to them. Um, my relationships with my, my kids are, are, are all different. Um, my oldest Carly that, you know, until recently, uh, many people um, didn't know that I had, you know, the oldest daughter Carly. Uh, but in the last couple of years, um, you know, I've, I've tried to, to kind of reach out to her. Um, and we're hopefully we're, we're still in the process of trying to figure out how to, to, to connect. Um, mm-hmm. But that's something that, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to, to have a chance to do. And, and, you know, she's 16 now. And, um, you know, some of this too is on her, you know, some of this too is, is her ability to, to make that choice of what she wants us to be. Um, and I got to accept that because, you know, I, I chose to not uh, be there in, in those, in those beginning times for her. And, and that's something that I can't take back, but it's something that I can hopefully gain strength from and, and try to help others, you know, in their own kind of personal struggles or, or their own goals in their life. So, um, other than that, I got, you know, the, the, the flood at Taylor, who's, you know, lives in Bismarck. She's, she's 15. She's phenomenal. She's, you know, caring. She's sweet. She's hard working. Um, she doesn't have much for, 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 for taking on and listening to BS. She's pretty focused in, um, wonderful sophomore. Um, I have Kennedy who's also 15, um, soon to be 16 here next um, next week, she'll be 16. Um, sophomore, about to get ready to play basketball. Um, socialite, um, kind of life of the room, um, very kind-hearted. Uh, probably the one that gives me the most run for my money, I would say. Um, uh, then we have Morgan, who is nine, uh, very sweet in basketball, uh, very caring, sticks up for others, um, just a funny girl. Um, and then we have Eva, who's four, um, going to be five in December. Um, she's the one that's probably taught me the most in the last probably six, seven months about myself mm-hmm. um, in terms of just, uh, you know, her and I are probably together the most out of all the kids um, mm-hmm. just because of the, just because of the setup. Um, but she, she's probably taught me the most in terms of remembering um, who I am and, and why it's important to, to, to not overlook those small moments. Um, mm-hmm. And, and she's, she's funny, um, super, super engaged, super, super smart, very observant. Um, you know, I love watching her and hearing her put concepts together and you kind of just, you can almost see the wheels spinning as she's kind of putting things together and we're having these conversations. Um, and she knows too that there's there's times where she comes up to me and I'm least expecting it and she gives me a hug and I, and I was like wow that's kind of what I really needed but I didn't know 
you know, but she knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those, those are the girls and I, we do have a puppy named Stormy. I guess she's not much of a puppy anymore. Um, you know, she's, she's taught me some things too about patience and, and, and commitment and, and dedication. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm definitely outnumbered, um, but it's, it's, I, I really wouldn't have it any other way. So that's, that's kind of my, my life, um, you know, very much kind of Cliff Notes version, but, um, and that's kind of where I'm at today. So. Well, absolutely. Thank you for sharing all that wonderful information, Lamar. Um, I know it's not easy to talk about our past and stuff like that, you know, but in an attempt to, to possibly help out others that are listening out there, you know, I think it's, it's, um, you know, it's important, you know, um, you talked about your father, your biological father. He was a military guy, correct? Lamar? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you talked about your father. Um, he was a military guy, right? Your biological yep. father. Now, yep. you feel that later on in life, because you didn't have that influence in your life because you didn't know him, do you feel that that is kind of what swayed your or made you have an identity crisis in a sense? Um, His lack of presence? Uh, no, because my, 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 my father now, Dan, and my mother, Myrna, mm-hmm. um, like I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't have asked for, for, for better parents um, mm-hmm. given our circumstances, right? And, and um, I, I don't think much about my biological father because of just the impact that, you know, my parents have, have had on me even to this day at 42 years old. And, and I think about the things that I, how I look at parenting and how I look at, you know, handling myself. And I think about all the ways that, you know, all the conversations that I've had with my parents, right. And the, the conversations I've had with my dad in, in, in a lot of ways and, and some of those one-sided conversations, you know, mm-hmm. but um, how they have still created such a presence in my life that I often kind of go back to is, is I wonder what my, what my mom and dad would think or say about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, one example that I have with my parents is, uh, my dad used to be, you know, you know, a pretty, he, he was a hunter and he would go hunting, um, and he had these guns and stuff. And, and, and so I think one, one, one day I was talking to him about it and I kind of asked him, I said, you know, how come, you know, you don't, you don't hunt anymore. And he's like, well, he's like, oh, it's because hunting takes time. It's a priority. And he's like, it's, it was either that. Um, and then not being able to, to go to and engage in your guys' activities. And so mm-hmm. he's like, I, I chose to, to give up hunting essentially um, in our, in efforts to, you know, to support you all and, and, and make sure that we're, we're present at your activities. And so, um, and, and, and how I've always looked at that was it wasn't anything that was, was a, you know, well, let's, let's kind of weigh this out. It was just something that that's just mm-hmm. kind of what they did. Um, and there was never no questions about it. Right. And it was never no, oh, look at us. This is what, you know, this is what we're doing. Right. It was just, this is just what we do because it's, you know, we're, we're, we're parents and we're a family. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I kind of emulate that in my own life now with my kids and their activities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 
there's there's things in life now that I that I know coming up and, and even this year where I'm going to have to reprioritize some things in my life and in order to to continue to place it as a value of being at my kids' activities and mm-hmm. um, helping them outside of those activities, right? And, and not being able to do some of the, the funner things, right? Or the things that I like to do kind of more independently. Um, and that's and that's been an okay, um, I've been okay with that. Because um, mm-hmm. again, it, it always takes me back to my parents. And so to your question, no, I, I don't look at, you know, my biological father's lack of a presence, you know, having anything really to do with my identity outside of just, you know, being a young, um, a young buck, um, just coming into kind of his prime, right. And trying to figure out how to be an adult. Right. But mm-hmm. also, also having the remnants of trauma that, you know, we didn't have a lot of work. We didn't have a lot of resource service to back in those days in the eighties to really mm-hmm. speak to and help individuals, but also families through, through trauma, right? It was, mm-hmm. let's get them in a good home and let's kind of hope things go well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think my parents did a phenomenal job with, with teaching us the skills and, and, and giving us the tools and putting us in positions to be successful. Mm-hmm. Part of that, part of that as, as young people and, and even at this age, it's, you know, knowing which tools to use. And I've told my dad that I said, listen, dad, I said, you, you and mom have given us all the skills and tools to be successful. It's just, I just haven't yours. I haven't chosen to use the right tools at times, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see that. I think my parents have, have, for me specifically, I can't speak for the rest of my siblings, but for me specifically, I, there's, there's so much in my day and how I function and how I, and how I aspire to be, that my parents have fingerprints all over, right? They have a presence in every in all of that to yeah. some degree. And my, and my mom, right? My my dad's much more of the, you know, let's talk it out, right? Let's, you know, I'm gonna bring you perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, I'm much more of here. Talk to your dad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't diminish it doesn't diminish my mom's role in all this because I think my mom's role is, you know, to take care kind of of my dad, right? Mm-hmm. And and do those things, right? Be that support mm-hmm. um, so dad can do what your dad does well, right? So my mom does some, some amazing things. She, she manages, she organizes, right? She, she schedules everything. She's on top of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Which then allows my dad to utilize his resources and, and, his, and his skills, right? If that yeah. makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, they're, they're, they're both equally, you know, valuable, um, they have their roles. I think they play them very well. Um, and again, it's, um, there's not much, there's not many days that go where I don't see their, in their, uh, their imprinting on me somewhere mm-hmm. throughout my day. There's not many days that go by. So. Well, that's, that's, that's really awesome to see that they had that amount of influence in your life. You know, uh, I firmly believe in order for you to have influence, you have to have that presence there. You have to spend time with your children. You know what I mean? Um, if you're not there, you're not going to have that influence. That's, uh, you know, we see it even with our children at school, you know, where their peers have more influence over their lives than we do. It's because they're spending more times with them. You know what I mean? Than what they are yeah. with their own parents, you know? Um, I like what you talked about as your dad, you know, how he prioritized, you know, he gave away something he loved in order 
to be there and fulfill, you know, these, these things that he needed to fulfill with loving his children and raising his children and being that, that engaged father, you know, and I think that's important. Um, sometimes as dads, you know, we want to put things in boxes, right? As men, we categorize stuff, you know, when we're in this box, we're in work mode. When we're in this box, we're in veg mode. You know what I mean? It's kind of like looking at a waffle, you know, in the different little compartments, we like to compartmentalize, you know, and it's, it's good to see how your father was like, all right, I got these needs and I have these wants, but my children need me. I want to go hunting, but my children need me. And it's good to see that he put you guys first. You know, I think if more fathers were to do that and die to themselves and their selfish needs or or wants, I should say, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the family dynamic would be a lot more fluid and a lot more healthier. You know? Yeah. I think, I think having those conversations, because I mean, it's something for me personally that I, that I struggle with, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I've, and I've moved and I think I've moved along and I hope that I've moved along. Mm-hmm. But I moved along this this kind of trajectory of, of really starting to think more about that, um, mm. especially in the height of, of how things have been, right? Both politically, right, and mm-hmm. the cult of you know diversity and kind of what that's meant, and then you know then the COVID, right? And so mm-hmm. there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty um, that's that's happening, right? And, and our and our kids are are in the midst of this, right? And this, this could be, you know, a, a positive thing in the grand scheme of things, or it could be very detrimental, right? Mm-hmm. But, I, but I know that I, you know, in the work that I do, it translates into fatherhood is that then I need to be more a part of it. I need to be much more in tune to not only how I'm doing with this, but how are my kids doing with this? Mm-hmm. Um, because it is something that it's, it's, it's a little bit different than what I remember growing up with in terms of just some of the outside stressors and pressures that are facing our kids and our youth today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's just so many more, um, so many different avenues of, of potentially stressing um, situations that are happening, right. We've got so much clickbait stuff, right. And mm-hmm. uh, things that our kids, you know, fingertips that, you know, we didn't really have that. I didn't have that growing and that and not that long ago and so mm-hmm. um it really is something where i feel that it's <clears throat> the prioritizing and i'm learning how to prioritize and being okay with that and also um, trying to figure out a balance too is, is mm-hmm. important so especially in this day where i think we're, we're in the midst of, of, a, of a pretty significant changes even though we don't know what that is we i think we can all feel i hope that we can all feel that there mm-hmm. we're in kind of in the midst potential change like a like a like a pretty significant change and then you know there's this thought of well i can't wait for things to go back to normal right well we're mm-hmm. just gonna kind of wait this out well i don't i don't know if that's if, if going back to what we were was you know was helpful right or or was getting us to where we needed to go mm-hmm. versus now there's just kind of this feeling where hey we, we can make some changes right and i can be a part of that and i can help my kids learn how to be a part of that. Um, and so there's a lot going on right now. And I just think that, you know, being with the kids and, and, and being a support to the to community is, is, it's crucial. So. Mm-hmm. No. And I agree with you hundred percent. I don't, I don't personally believe that we're ever going back to the way things were, you know what I mean? And I don't think right. it would be even healthy to go back to the way things were. I mean, we we're so drawn out 
Um, I know for me, I was completely checked out. You know, they say the curse of fatherhood is absence, you know, or presence. And that's, that was a hundred percent true for me. I mean, my presence was never really felt, you know what I mean? They knew I was around as a, as a blue collar father, you know, providing for the family, you know, they knew I was around, but I wasn't around enough to have that influence over their lives. Right. You know, and that's where this whole podcast kind of came around about because, you know, I finally understood that I'm more than a paycheck for my family. You know, I have certain roles that God has given me to provide for my, my children, you know what I mean? To, to provide not just a roof over their head or a paycheck or whatever, but to provide protection, to provide love. And like you said earlier, to raise up healthy children that can handle situations, you know what yeah. I mean? Especially change. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things right now we can show our children is how to handle change. You know, um, we just recently moved from New Mexico to Southern California. We did it in three weeks, you know, and it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy, crazy stressful, but Hey, we showed me and my wife as a unified front, how to adapt to change, how to face change with courage. Yeah. Was it scary? Absolutely. Dude, we're going to a place where we hadn't even seen yet. Right. You know what I mean? That takes great courage, you know? I mean, prime example, my daughter, she went to a school that's four times the size of her normal school. She's freaking out, you know what I mean? But she can look to me and she can look to, to, to my wife and be like, okay, my parents are level-headed. This yeah. is scary for them too. And yeah. now I need to keep my head level and I'm going to adapt to this change because change is good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's inevitable. It's a per- it's, it, and it's and, and it can be a perception. And again, I think perception for a lot of folks, even in the work that I do, I think perception is 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 a make or break, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it, most most people will, will kind of tend to look at things kind of through one lens, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, part of the job that I that I get to do and what I love is 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 to present problem, you know, multiple lenses. Well, that's one way to look at it, but you could also look at it like this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and to give people just kind of hope. Right. Or just kind of an idea that, hey, this this doesn't always have to read the same way. It doesn't always have to have the same outcomes based off of how I just choose to look at it very singularly. Right. Mm-hmm. That there are di- there are different outcomes or I at least have a chance to to change an outcome, although knowing that I don't have control over everything. Right. But I do have control about how I deal with it. Right. How I manage it. Right. And what I do within it. Um, and, and I love that, you know, with, with the kids, right? It's, you know, in your, in your move, right? Because it's not only what we say to our kids, but it's how we conduct ourselves during those times, right? Yes. You know, 90%, 90% of our communication is our nonverbals, right? So we can say what we want to say to our kids, but if we're not kind of performing and functioning, right, that mm-hmm. we, we're, we're, we're going to kind of handle this, right? Our kids are going to feel that, right? We, we share energy, right? We give off energy and, and, and people mm-hmm. can feel those things. Well, it's making sure that what we're saying and kind of what we're doing is matching up, right? If, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I love, you know, I, I think that's great that that's a great example that you shared about, you know, a, a quick move like that, right? From uh, one part to another. And then, you know, the environmental changes that go with that, you know, a school that's three times the size, you know, like holy smokes, like what, what are we doing, right? <laughs> uh, oh, um, 
but again, I just think it's it's working together. Right? Um, whether you're in an intact home or whether you're in a split home, right? Because a lot of folks and, and, and my kids, uh, we, we have a split home. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's the trickiness of, of, you know, trying to maintain, you know, values, knowing that there are differences and then how do we communicate those things and mm-hmm. um, which which isn't which isn't always gold. It's not the most prettiest thing at times. And it's something that I try to be more mindful of is, you know, sifting through, you know, what what are differences and just kind of values and perspective and what are the differences that are impacting my kids, right. Or impacting right. the kids. Um, and how do we reconcile those things, right. How do we talk about those conversations and still, you know, be in a partnership and, and be a support of each other as parents, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that looks. Like. So. No, and I agree. And, and then even just hats off to you. Um, I learned recently from one of our past guests, Joel Hallbaker, uh, he's a blended families coach. I mean, mm-hmm. super awesome episode. We just aired it. Um, and he just talked through all the different frustrations that parents of a blended family have to go through. You know what I mean? It's completely yeah. different than an intact family. I mean, it has different problems that it present itself and, and it, the whole dynamic is different and everything. And, you know, just for him to go through, the 10 commandments as he calls them uh, of, of being a, a blended family uh, father, you know what I mean? And just having that courage to to step up and be able to do that. I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome to, to hear him go through all those different um, tactics that he teaches, you know what I mean? And yeah. yeah, highly, highly suggest, you know, anybody who has a blended family or anything like that, that they would listen to that podcast. It was super solid. He had great information and, you know, it, it was, it was solid, man. It was. Yeah. I'll have to, we'll have to connect on that. You have to uh, maybe email me that the name. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted yeah. to ask you right now, Lamar, what do you see about the state of fatherhood today? I know you deal with a lot of fathers and stuff like that, but what do you see our country as, you know what I mean? And the state of the fatherhood that's, that's happening today. I think I, I see a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, again and it's not all fathers right and, and it's always kind of based off of you know we, we we tend to as a society you know we we tend to over and over sensationalize the negative things right we remember the negative things right mm-hmm. and so uh, we look at the negative things and so um you know, I, I've, I've, I'm around fathers in my personal life and, and, and professionally that, you know, are, there are, there are people that I, there, there, there are fathers that I aspire to, to, to kind of be more like in some ways. Um, and, and I'm around fathers professionally and, and, and personally that, um, you know, are, are, I think are trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I would include myself in there from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are definitely those, those fathers out there who um, maybe just to, to, to put it in a, in a very kind of, you know, very polite way, but are, are just, you know, haven't had the models, you know, haven't had the, you know, the, the experience of knowing what that's been like, right. Or, or, or having a father in their own, um, upbringing mm-hmm. to model that right um and they just and they know what they know right and then you know then you have other fathers who are you know 
struggling with with not having a the greatest upbringing and the greatest experiences, but also with with mental illness or substance use, right? I mean, so there's a lot of different factors, and I think you see it all across the board. Yeah, um, with where, where fathers are at, and and um, you know, for me um, and the work that I do, it's good because I get to talk to 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 fathers, right? And and I get to talk to you about their relationship. Um, you know, with their family and with their kids, right? And, and a lot of fathers come in in the capacity that I see a lot of fathers is that there's usually typically something going on between the parents, right? Whether mm-hmm. there's marital history history or issues going on, whether there's relationship conflict or whether there's a divorce, whether there's a separation, right? And then the courts are involved, right? Yep. And the court system, um, you know, is, 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 quite honestly, it's, a, it can be a little slanted. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but I do talk to fathers about that. I say, you know, you have to understand there's a rhyme and a reason why it was built this way, because there are legitimately fathers out there who are making this harder for other fathers. Right. Yeah. And so which side of that fence, you know, which side of that rope are you on to pull? Are you, are you, you know, one that's deliberately, you know, kind of putting your own feelings and your own thoughts regarding the system, right? And mm-hmm. you're so mad at the system, right, that you're not engaging in services, right? Or you're not engaging in, in, in your family's lives and your kid's life because you're mad at your, you know, the, the partner, right? Or the ex, or you're mad at the system and or you're mad at the system. So mm-hmm. now I'm just not going to do anything because I'm angry. Right. And then mm-hmm. and this is kind of my way of uh, protesting the system. Well, OK, you know, I mean, but, you know, how how in the grand scheme of things is that is that solving anything? How is that making things better? Right. How is that modeling for your kids? Right. right. Um, and, and so I get to talk to, to to fathers about this stuff and I get to talk to mothers, too. You know, and, and part of my book, as I was developing it, as we were developing it, even though it's a children's book. It, it you know, it kind of had this other layer of, well, it's kind of a father's book. Well, then as I got to thinking about it, well, it, it really is not just a book for fathers and kids. It's really a book for everybody, right? Specifically for, for mothers, right? Mm-hmm. Because of these, these traditional values, right? Of what fathers are paychecks, right? They're, they're out in the field, right? Or they're out doing these things, right? And they come home yes. and, you know, there's some traditional roles that are still kind of undertoning today's, today's, um, you know, definitions of parenting, right? There's, there's still some undertones of those traditional values mm-hmm. is, you know, I hope, a, I hope a mom is able to read that book and understand that, hey, no, no matter what, right? No matter the circumstances of, of the family or, or the father, you know, don't just assume that they don't think about or have thoughts about their children, mm-hmm. right? Even if they are kind of in this in this place where they're kind of fighting the system, so to speak, or they're you know they're feeling like they they've gotten the raw deal at the end of the stick kind of a deal, mm-hmm. don't think that 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 fathers don't love their kids, mm-hmm. right? We have feelings, we have strong feelings about our kids, right? You know when we have to drop kids off, right? Or or when I had to work on the railroad mm-hmm. to support my kid, you know my 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 three oldest um and i had to go work on the railroad for for two two years two and a half years um in in my my kids infancy years mm-hmm. and just just started to pay for daycares and diapers mm-hmm. you know having to go work on the railroad live in hotels traveling working 25 you know sometimes you know about 25 30 days 
at a time, right? Mm-hmm. 14, 15 hours. Um, and having to sacrifice, you know, that time with my kids, those most formidable years in order just to, to put food on the table, right? Pay daycare mm-hmm. bills, knowing that, you know, I don't get to see them. Yeah. Right. Uh, that I don't, you know, get to pick them up from daycares and I don't get to do those things. And then when I do come home to see, you know, my daughters, you know, they, I haven't seen them for so long. And, and again, maybe a month or a month and a half <clears throat> where I come in and they kind of look at me as a stranger. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and how devastating that was for me to go through that. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, perception is reality for people. Well, he's, you know, where's he at? Well, he's working. Well, you know, he'd much rather be here, but don't for one minute doubt how much I, I care and, and love my kid, love for my kids and miss my kids. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of this book that I want people to understand or realize is that, hey, you know, don't, you know, don't dismiss and don't underestimate, you know, what fathers are thinking about, whether they're there in person consistently or whether they're kind of figuring it out, whether they're, there are circumstances that prevent it. Mm-hmm. Don't just assume that, don't just assume that, you know, we, you know how the, the father feels about their kids. You know, one, because we're not really necessarily given the okay to express those things, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. like we kind of talked about, right? Yeah, not yeah. really necessarily, you know, permitted right it's not necessarily a, a good a, the thing to to express but mm-hmm. we still have those feelings we still have those thoughts and i think more more fathers have those than not and i want to be able to to help them be able to express that and be mm-hmm. okay to express that and 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 hopefully through that expression that helps them kind of get closer to and developing inroads to having a stronger bond and a stronger lasting commitment relationship with their kids so no and i agree with you 100 um i'm glad that there's another avenue another tool that you have created through your book to help fathers out there with their emotions you know as fathers we especially you you're around my age so we grew up in a different time frame you know we grew up where tough guys don't cry (laughs) you know what i mean and you don't show your emotions you know you get the wind knocked out of you guess what you get up you knock you know dust yourself off, you get back in the game, don't cry, don't show those emotions, you know, and that's how we're brought up in that time frame. And I think we go on to teach our children that as well, because why we don't know any better. You know, we don't, we, we, we were taught that. So let's continue with that. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Well, yeah, it is broke (laughs) and we need to fix it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying raise up, you know, boys that are, you know, not masculine or anything like that by any means, but I am saying, Hey, you know, tough guys do have feelings. And if you're not getting, if we're not talking and communicating what's going on inside us as men, we have a tendency to bottle that up. And what does it do? It turns into anger. And then what does that anger do? It comes out and it usually comes out on those we love, which is our wife, which is our children. Then all of a sudden we're flashing on them. I did it. And I think a lot of blue collar dads, if not even let's, let's not even generalize it, not just blue collar dads, but every dad out there, when he gets stressed out, when he gets bottled up, if he doesn't know how to deal with these emotions, he's going to act out some way or another. And our children do the same thing. 
You know, when our children yeah. are feeling stressed, and I'm sure you've seen it, when they're stressed, when they don't know how to communicate their emotions because we didn't show them the correct way to deal with emotions, what do they do? They're going to act out and they're going to get your attention, whether it be good or bad. Yeah. I much, I much rather them be getting my attention by getting straight A's in school than getting a call at two o'clock in the morning saying, Hey, your, your son or daughter have been in a, a drinking accident. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, and again, it's, it's how do we, promote you know this kind of this this well-being right this balance mm -hmm. right and even for fathers because it, it's not how we used to look at traditional roles right the father does this and the mother does that right or mm -hmm. partners and all that that's again like change it, it's it's no longer clear cut like that these these we're, we're in the midst of kind of changing in terms of how we define roles within family and, and, and who's doing what right i mean mm -hmm. our divorce rates are, are really high you yes. know and, and so we know we know that there's a lot more you know split households mm -hmm. right so we know there's co-parenting it has to happen and there's not always communication right and so we need both parents fathers specifically for this conversation mm -hmm you know, to be able to step into that role of this is what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm thinking, right? Let's have a conversation. Let's slow down. How are you doing? How can mm -hmm. I help you with that? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, I think that's, those are, they seem very easy, but they're, mm -hmm. they're hard to do. It's, it's hard to do because one life is pretty fast right now. Mm -hmm. Right. I think things are things are coming pretty. I mean, the weeks kind of just fly by. And so we get wrapped up into our day to day. Mm -hmm. um, and we often don't miss those. We, we often miss those moments because we are so kind of just inundated with, you know, things happening with snaps of fingers and, and again, days turns into weeks. So part of it is it's a practice that we need mm -hmm. to instill and, and be intentional about is making sure that we find moments, you know, mm -hmm. to to, to slow life down, you know, check ourselves out, you know, check in with our kids, you know, hey, what's yes. going on? No, you know, a lot of times you'd be like, no, it's good, it's good. Well, let's, let's, this is the time. What's up? You know what I mean? And at least start to build this, this, this new culture or this new value of we take time to, to value and honor you know, kind of what, what's going on in our lives. And as parents, we need to model that. Yes. And that's so. where intentionality comes in. You know, that's one of our pillars that we talk about at the show up dad is being intentional and you hit the nail right on the head, brother. I mean, be intentional, yeah. check in with your kids, see how they're doing. Yeah. You know, I believe right yeah. now more than ever that the media and certain agendas out there are hell bent on, on seeing the fall of the family, you know, um, Charlie, Kirk, you know, he's a, he's a well-known public figure. He, I want to quote him real quick. He said, destroy the family, destroy the nation. And that this is the agenda that he's seeing throughout the world. You know, and I, I firmly agree with it. You know what I mean? I mean, when a father has to go and work X amount of hours where he's actually been pulled out of the home to support his family, you know, that that's taken away from his time that he has at, at the home to have that positive influence, to be that moral character that we're called to be. You know what I mean? Because now parents, even both parents now can't even afford just just a regular lifestyle, you know, with inflation and everything else. I mean, gosh, 
gas is for something in California right now. That's ridiculous. You know, and yet we're closing more pipelines. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> well, and you know, the, the destroy the family, destroy the nation. I mean, I, I think, you know, clearly I think through history, right? I think those mm-hmm. those principles, tenants, you know, have been in place and they, and they've they've been able to make headway, right? Because I think you you look at the fabric of communities, right? And, and kind of the breakdown of, of what it means to be neighborly, right? And, and um, you know, are, are we doing those neighborhood type things that we used to do, you know, kind of growing up, like, like the wonder years kind of stuff, right? Are we, mm-hmm. are we getting together as neighbors and as communities? Are we doing those things? Or are we kind of more blocked off, right? Are we more just kind of separate and segregated within that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously with, with COVID here, right? I think COVID's been a, you know, a, a pretty big indicator of kind of where we're at as a result of, because mm-hmm. of the masks, right? Because of the social distancing, right? I mean, it's it kind of, it's counterintuitive to who we are, I think, as people, right? I mean, we're very communal people, right? Mm-hmm. And and you set up social distancing and you have, you know, signs all over the place to, to enforce social distancing and masks. And, um, you know, you get people all over the board in terms of how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. It, it it just kind of promotes this this kind of separateness. I'm going to group up with who's like me, um, and and again, it, it it gets away from this kind of community, this family aspect, right? In a much more macro sense of family, right? Yeah. Um, as a nation, as a nation, we're a big family, right? And as statewide, where we're families, you know, it gets down in your counties or you know, to your cities, right? Well, it's it's all kind of a family, right? Everybody kind of has their roles within it. Um, and I think those that's been breaking down, you know. And I mm-hmm. think that's been, I think that's been a, um, uh, you know, a sign. I think that's been a something that's been going on since since you know the, the founding with our mm-hmm. um, policies and interactions with with Native American Indigenous people, right? Which which I represent as well. So mm-hmm. um, there there are definitely principles that I think that have been in place that have really kind of promoted separateness, right? Conquer, mm-hmm. divide, conquer, or divide and conquer, divide yes. and conquer, right? Um, and I think this is the time where we can decide to push back on that collectively mm-hmm. and say, no, yes. we're, even though we, even though there are things that are out of, out of control and we got to be responsible to, to maintain, you know, the spread and overall health, we still got to now find ways to, to maintain connection with each other we, mm-hmm. because I, I need you, my neighbor, I need you and you need me. And we need each other in order to kind of maintain it and build, right? And so we can develop a, a much mm-hmm. more stronger, healthier, balanced generation for our kids and their kids. And mm-hmm. so that's what I feel like my responsibility is to my kids as well, is to how do I help you become stronger so then you can learn in, in some ways from, from our mistakes, but be balanced and, and leave this place in a better, um, in a better trajectory mm-hmm. when you leave. Right. And so, yeah, that was a lot. So No, no, but it, it, I mean, it, it's something that needs to be talked about. I mean, they're saying now that 70%, the national average is 70% are without a stable father in the home. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy, dude. Those statistics are absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think fathers need to be back in the home. You know what I mean? That's a good goal where we need to start off in the United States. You know what I mean? Is getting our fathers back in the home. I'm not saying necessarily home, like staying home and, and not, you know, being there, you know what I mean? But in a sense that, Hey, you know, why are they having to work four or five jobs? 
sometimes. You know what I mean? This is this is outrageous. This is insane. Yeah, and and I think in our in our, in our systems of policies, right? That, you know, mm-hmm. need to be talked about more too. I think there are some policies and and, and some rules in place that. Um, I really, I think, are counterproductive to the to, to this idea of how do we kind of embrace and, and, and bring back in fathers rather than these kind of ru- these rules and policies. I don't apply to to, to a large percent of fathers, mm-hmm. but they apply enough to where you know it. it as a father, I can as, as as far as being on that side of the fence, which I have been. Yeah, you know where I've had the have had the face and, and and have to deal with some of these these rules and policies and laws. You know, it's like this, this doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, how, how is this setting, setting me up, you know, for a, a, a reunion, right. Or, or healthier relationship with my kids. When, like you said, I have to you know maintain four or five jobs. And even after I even do that, then, you know, I have barely enough, you know, scratch to do anything with and, and to barely survive on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I don't have really much say into what goes on with my kids as medical care, educational care, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, again, and again, there there is a percentage of fathers who who are that who are in that mold, right? Who are in that, you know, the fathers who are just kind of deliberately making decisions, right? But that's a smaller percentage of fathers. That's mm-hmm. not the seventy percent, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the seventy percent. Mm-hmm. There's there's a huge percentage of fathers who who are actively trying to make it work. There are a percentage of fathers who, you know, for whatever reason, um, are doing it and doing it well. You know, to quote LL Cool J, they're doing it well, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, outside of that, you know, it's it's. I think we also need to start having conversations about how we're looking at family court systems and and yeah, are we really are we really trying to to promote family reunification, so to speak, and, and, and parental involvement to, um, or are we, is it about who's going to pay for child support, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just as long as it's not us as a state, right? Right. Um, that kind of creates a, quite a bit of, of, of a different meaning um, mm-hmm. in terms of that conversation father, right? So... I had Mark Real. He was a past guest. He's a real father's rights movement. He came on here and he talked about how, you know, the court system and how it's one sided and all this stuff. And he's actually doing some great things instead of just complaining about it. He's actually going to legislation and stuff like that and and being this father advocate, you know, to to try to help fathers out because it is one sided. The the system's broken and it needs to be fixed. Um, But one of the things I got out of that whole podcast is that as parents, we need to understand that what is our main purpose? You know what I mean? If you're jaded and you're pissed off about your spouse and you want to take it out on them by withholding your children or or per se, even trying to get more child support and and just basically trying to run your, your spouse into the ground, you know what I mean? Grow up, you know, you have lost sight of your purpose. And your purpose is those kids to raise healthy children. And when you're fighting like that, you're not giving them a good example. You're not. You're only hurting them. You know, and I think that's what people need to keep in mind is, man, there's a bigger purpose here. You know, um, as a tradesman, you know, I'm a, I'm a journeyman lineman and I also train kids at Cal Nevada, which is 
one of the uh, the greatest uh, apprenticeships in the country for linemen. And one of the things we always see with these apprentices is that they get tunnel vision. And I liken that mm-hmm. to, to these parents, you know, don't lose sight of what's going on. Don't get that tunnel vision. Yeah. You have a bigger purpose. And that purpose is raising healthy children, raising the next generation. Because, yeah. you know, go ahead. And, and that, and, and therein is, therein, therein lies the layers of this, right? Because mm-hmm. it is, it is that one of those things that we're able to kind of see the summit, right? And say, this is kind of what we want. That's their goal, right? Mm-hmm. Healthy, co-parenting, trusting parents, right? Regardless of their situation and the dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. However, we do have a large, because we have our 70% of, of fathers who are not in the picture, so to speak, right? And our divorce mm-hmm. rates are high. We do also have the the, the reality of, Many of these families, um, this is what their family life looked like. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a narrative generationally that has, that has played out, right? And so we may have families who, that come in and we can point these things out. But again, it kind of goes back to, you know what you know. Like, I don't know anything else, right? This is kind of what's familiar to me. And so it becomes our job, right? It becomes my job. It becomes you know, your job in terms of working with these, these young apprentices and, and, and whatnot to, to be able to speak to others in a way that, hey, you know, this is what we know, right? I understand validating that, hey, this was your lived experience, you know, but is this what you want for your kids, right? Is, and, and, and if this is a kind of a reenactment of what you've experienced, is this what you want? And now how do we begin to change that narrative for your family now and for your kids in the future? So they're not going through these same um, generational, um, unhealthy kind of dynamics in their own families or in their own life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's this piece that we also have to hold in terms of understanding and validating what people have gone through and, and helping them to identify what is it that you do want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that, Hey, if you've never experienced anything else, this is going to be really foreign to you. Right. And it might be a little off putting to you, but if, if you want something different, these are the things that we might need to look at in order to make those changes. And what we do now, hopefully, ideally, is going to, to either completely change that narrative down the road. It may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, but if we commit to it and we work on it mm-hmm. over time, right, it'll start to change the narrative. And so hopefully, generationally, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of phase itself out. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not going to be having dynamics, these unhealthy dynamics that are happening because this is what you, this is what you grew up with. This is what you know. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to change. We're going to change the narrative to that. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I agree with you hundred um, percent. I don't think that we just got here where we're at today. I mean, this is a slow, yeah. steady burn. Um, it was an unraveling throughout the years to where we're at today. And in order to change it, it's not going to be changed in our lifetime, but it starts with that pebble dropping that pebble into a pond and then seeing those ripple effects. And hopefully, just hopefully, if we start making the changes today and raising the next generation healthy, future generations like our slogan are going to benefit from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it starts with us. mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely, brother. I want to ask you to go ahead and uh, share with our audience, Lamar, how they can get a hold of your book and how they can find you, if you don't mind, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the book, um, 
Are You My Daddy is available on Amazon only. Um, and so just go on there and, and order a box full or two boxes full. Um, you know, um, that's that's where it's at. So right on and social media. Uh, do you have I a do, pretty big influence there? Oh, man. So I'm, I'm in this push pull with social media um, where I'm not on I'm, I'm on. I'm on Facebook, my, my personal Facebook page, more than I'm on Instagram or anything like that. I, a, a man has been trying to get me to be more involved in the social media piece. Um, but it does kind of stress me out a little bit thinking about, you know, speaking and in, in, in getting in front of and talking about things. Um, so I don't have as, as big of a, of, a, of a following as I probably could or should. Um, and I still don't know where I'm at with that. So maybe some feedback from, you know, how I talked about today or how I did today would be, would be helpful too, to mm -hmm. maybe influence that or the other. So. Mm -hmm. Well, right on Lamar. Thank you once again for coming on here and sharing everything about this. I want to check out your book, brother. Um, thank you for just getting on here and being real with us. You know what I mean? Sharing yeah. your, your story yeah. and stuff, you know? So once again, thank you. This is the show up dad. And, you know, just encouraging fathers to be more than that paycheck. Thank you.